This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everybody, welcome back to Spear Factor. On this episode, I speak with Mr. Carlos Suarez. He is originally from Cuba, and that's where he actually started spearfishing. And it's really interesting to talk to him about his perspective and growing up there and some of the equipment they use and the techniques that they used. But more importantly, I spoke with him about his uh, freediving spearfishing game called Freedive Hunter. And just from talking with him and why he started it, you can really tell his passion and love for it. And I hope you guys check it out. And as always, we got to give a big shout out to our sponsors, Kamira Spearfishing and Benners of the Side Slip. I personally use this product quite a bit and I believe in it. It's a really, really good product to have in your tools, uh, your little arsenal there for hunting. It's basically replaces the slip tips, making it possible for you to hunt around rocks. It's a patent pinning design and it's a Southern California company. Um, if you go to the website, uh, camaraspearfishing.com, that's K-I-M-E-R-A spearfishing.com, and decide you want to purchase if you put in the promo code SPEARFACTOR, one word, SPEARFACTOR, you'll get an additional uh, 5% off on your purchase. Uh, try it and uh, let Rob at uh, SPEARFACTOR know what you think and uh, constantly trying to make the product better, which uh, that's what I like about the company. So uh, that's why uh, we're working together. And also, another sponsor is Hot Rod Spear Guns, Paul Rodriguez. Uh, I've used Paul's guns hunting dogs down in Micronesia and also down in Baja. And I got to say, you can't beat that gun for the price. It's an amazing gun as well as the breakaway gun that he just developed is incredible it's a true blue water breakaway gun that is smaller or roughly about the same size as a set of fins. Um, check out Hot Rod Spear Guns at hotrodspearguns.com. 
Other sponsors include Los Bigotes, the mustaches apparel company. I've worked with them for a few years now. Really good group of dudes. Check out their website, losbigotes.com, and see the shirts and hats and uh, Hawaiian shirts. Good stuff they got. And our last sponsor is One Drop Spearfishing. Basically, an environmentally minded group of guys that love to dive, live and breathe it, but their whole focus is feeding friends and family and enjoying their time in the water. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, solid group of guys. And uh, check out their website, One Drop Spearfishing. Check them out on YouTube, One Drop Spearfishing. And if you'd like to uh, sponsor Spear Factor Podcasts, feel free. Uh, you can go ahead and shoot me a note on the website, spearfactor.com. Thank you. Hey, welcome everybody back to Spear Factor. Today, we our special guest is Carlos Suarez. He is a game developer, and he's developed a lot of uh, spearfishing and freediving uh, games. And uh, he's originally from Cuba and started diving there. So I really wanted to get a chance to speak with him about his experiences both in Cuba and making video games because I don't know anything about it. So uh, welcome to the show, Carlos. Thank you very much. Um, so can you, we were talking uh, off camera or off uh, off recording here a little bit about your background. So can you start with your background as far as coming from Cuba and diving in Cuba? Yes, I live in Cohima in Cuba. It's a fisherman's town. Uh, and I used to fish with lines. In Cuba, we use what is called rolls, Cuban rolls, which is not a... A spinner or anything like that is just a plastic uh, circle that you put lying around it. And then um, I was fishing in a place where the spiros will come out with big fish. And I was fishing a small fish with line. So I said, oh, well, I'm missing uh, something here. I should learn to do this to get big fish because my plan was to uh, make money with it. In Cuba, you know, the economy is really bad and everything. So I learned uh, starting the shore, very shallow, and then I realized that there was not enough fish there uh, to really make money. And then I started getting into it, and I started loving the landscapes and the depth. And little by little, uh, I started developing better my lungs and all that stuff, and then I started getting deep until I got to 20 fathoms, which is like 100 feet deep. Uh, and then I got the big fish, big groupers. Uh, actually, a, a huge fish, it was my biggest fish. It was 70 pounds. And in Cuba, that's a big fish. So that's how I started. Did you say a 70-pound grouper, or what was that? Yeah, it's the huge fish, the, the grouper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It was it was under a rock, and then I uh, dived down over her without knowing that she was there, and suddenly I saw the head, and then I shot it in the head, and that's how I got it to go. By my, I was by myself in Cuba with fish, and I think that here you do the same. Spiros uh, uh, dive in couples to take uh -huh. care of the cows and stuff like that. 
but I was starting, so I was by myself, and I realized when I got the grouper in my hand, that was very big, and I would have had trouble if I don't kill it uh, right away with a headshot. Nice. So you stoned it, like yes. shot it, game yeah. over. Yeah, kill it at the spot. And then I realized, okay, I have to shoot to the head. I mean, you have to understand in Cuba, when I came, it was 2001. We didn't have internet or anything in Cuba. So I didn't learn anything from uh, YouTube or anything like that. So I was learning by mistakes. No, I completely understand that. Um, so my, uh, did you have anybody that helped show you, like to kind of mentor you when you were just starting out or were you pretty much just by yourself? Yeah, by myself, you know, in Cuba, people do it for a living. Like uh, it's almost to be a business person. They would not tell you secrets or tricks or anything because it would be competing against themselves. So you pretty much have to try to learn by looking at what they do and then slowly, but at some point, someone gets to be your friend because they see you going deep and that kind of stuff. And then you get a, a body and that's how you learn them faster after. But yeah, you start, you, you have to do it by yourself. You have to go from shallow water to deep water by yourself and try to understand what's happening. Um, did you, what kind of equipment did you guys have? Well, I, I start with everything homemade and then I develop, I am a painter. I am a fine art artist uh, to start with. So once that I started selling my paintings, uh, I could afford some better equipment and I use uh, Mares. At that time was the best Mares that there was. Uh, I don't remember the name, but I think that was Mares L or something that it had like two canals in the sides. So when you were kicking, it will expand. And when you kick back, it will uh, contract. It was very good. I like it. And then the mask I used was a crazy sub uh, Pinocchio. Uh huh. And then the gun was uh, guns that a Cuban guy used to make there. It was pneumatic. Uh, we did it with a aluminum cylinder with air, compress uh, compression air inside. And then we did the spears with, uh, in the trunk of the cars, there is this big, uh, strong uh, iron bar that is what helped the trunk to open by itself. I mean, I'm talking, uh -huh. talking Russian, Russian cars. Uh, and so this guy used to get those and cut them and straight them and made wonderful spears as well. They were at eight millimeters uh, diameter. Very strong ones with two, uh, with two, uh, the, uh, how you call what, what it opens? The fin tabs, like the, the yeah. notches? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right, yeah. So that's, that's I, I love hearing those stories um, because I really honestly feel like that is the essence of this whole, you know, diving in general. Like, I, you know, to be truthful, I don't even really consider it a sport. It's just a way of life, um, it, you know, diving and, and um, you know, making all your own gear. And like I've been places where guys use chain link for dive belts and all this stuff. Um, you know, you look at nowadays, we've got all this fancy stuff and we're going down uh, deeper and, and all the things like that. But I mean, you're talking about making 
um, shafts from rods that you use to prop the hoods up with uh, cars and you're landing 70 pound grouper with it. Um, yes. Yeah. That's like so much respect for that. <laughs> so much respect for that stuff. Um, so what kind of fish were you going for other than grouper? Was it mainly grouper? Well, I, I start with, with trigger fish, ocean trigger fish, which uh -huh. was the easiest. I think that that's the easier fish that you can catch when you're starting because they are middle water usually and they are in bunches. So, uh, that's what I start when I got deep. I start with, uh, I think, 12 fathom. I don't know exactly what that would be in, in feet, but it's half, you know, it's, it's kind of deep. For I think me, it's like 70, around, like, so yes. one fathom, six feet. So, yeah. That's something like that. So, um, what you could catch at the time was either mackerel, Spanish mackerel, uh -huh. uh, jacks, or triggerfish, but we had spots. We found spots and then we marked them. And every time you go there, you usually you will see trigger fish going around the rocks and all that. And they came up to look at you. And I remember seeing the little eyes like curious and I felt bad for killing them, but I was doing it for eating and living. So it was not just for the sake of it. <laughs> Sometimes I came up with a fish and then it was like a, an army of Bigger fish chasing me up all the way to the surface. Right. Uh, it, it was funny, but it was very beautiful. Besides, you get in love, you fall in love with the quiet and the world on the on the water. It's just beautiful. It's just amazing. I, yeah, and I think everyone can understand that that spearfish is is like um, going in the water. Since you lose, right, is hearing. It's just quiet. Totally. Um, yeah, it's. Totally quiet, and uh, the thing that I love about it is it's just you and your thoughts. And then you know, if you're focusing on hunting your fish, um, that's all you're thinking about. And you do you you're kind of forced to forget about the things on land that stress you, or um, just by it's so quiet, just by taking away that 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 sense of of um, hearing. Um, so when what year was this when you started like diving? I started, I came in 2001, the government took away diving for one year before, so around 1997, 98. Wow. Like, like one year before I came, I was spear fishing. And to have an idea of how uh, addictive the, this uh, activity is, I used to get up at six in the morning swim oh because we didn't have boats of course we had to swim around three miles out and then return back so i used to wake up at six in the morning and come back between six and seven in, at night every day without resting sundays or anything because i found in my case if i rest the next time that i go dive uh diving i have I have lost uh, uh, lung capacity, like I feel tight. So I just did it for over two years every day of the week, unless I was sick or something, or when I had the blackout. But the rest of the time, my wife pretty much was like, a, well, you live pretty much in the ocean instead of here. But it's just <laughs> so familiar. addictive. It is just so 
there is a point that you dream with it. At, at least I did. I used to dream all the time with it. Yeah, I um, I do you ever have dreams like I have dreams that I uh, am am diving underwater and then I forget that I don't have that I have to I have to breathe and and hold my breath. I'm well, holding my breath when I'm sleeping, you know. Well, I I dream uh, the weirdest places to fish. Like for example, uh, in my case, sometimes I dream that I was in a main hall where the sewer is, you know, and that was when you went down in the main hall was ocean instead. And then I, there were like a, all over the main wall, uh, the uh, main hall, there were canals full of uh, trigger fish in that case, because again, Cuba trigger fish is like abundant. Uh -huh. uh, so those were my dreams. And the one about not forgetting to breathe, that actually was real because I got a blackout because of it. I forgot totally that I had to breathe. I thought that I could walk or live down there. And by <laughs> the time that I realized, I was out. So, yeah, let's talk about that blackout. So this is why you're diving. You just kind of like forgot that you were holding yes. your breath. Yes. So that's I, like that's the epitome of being relaxed, though. That's oh, like yeah. that's where you want to get to. I was literally walking in the bottom chasing a fish that used to go there was a big rock i went all the way down this would should have been 17 fathom uh and it was a cubera snapper yeah yep. yeah probably around 25 30 pounds and she came out from behind the rock so i was in the bottom uh, waiting for fish to come and i see her her head so i start walking literally walking her and then she went around and I started walking around the rock and suddenly my thighs felt like kind of uh, sleep. Right. I went, oh my God, I have to go up. And then when I look up, I see how much I have to go up. Thanks God, my nephew, which was at that time he was 14 years old, uh, had come with me that day. Although there were uh, men of war of war or men of war, men of war, yeah, yeah, Jellyfish all over or... the place. Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, winter was coming, like it was a cold front coming. Uh, so the day before cold fronts in the north coast of Cuba, the water is the most beautiful thing because the wind comes from the south before the cold front coming, and it made the water clear like glass, and then it make it very flat. But men and water started coming in too, and he was scared at first. But then somehow I went by myself, and somewhere he come around and said, "Oh, I'm here." I said, "Oh, okay, cool, well, you know." And that was when the uh, the blackout happened to me. Well, it's a good thing he was there. I oh mean, yeah, totally. Yeah, we would not be talking now. Yeah, so that that feeling you're talking about, where the tingling in your legs, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's when your blood is like everything's getting pulled to your core to try to keep those central systems going and mm -hmm. it's taking away from the uh, from your uh, extremities yeah. and then also that tingling can be associated with too with lactic acid uh, when people's legs are out of shape but I think what you're talking about is yeah your body's trying to pull all its blood around right. that yeah yeah um, I was totally in shape at that time so it was yeah right right it's just funny to me because, uh, you know, um, 
like to me, it's funny. I never paid attention to the internet. I didn't want any part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized the problem with that was I stayed in a vacuum and I really hurt my ability to learn things by just staying in my little group. And, and it wasn't anything conscious. I just didn't really care about social media or anything. And, um, it, you know, so I can identify what you're talking about. It's like, oh, people have carbon fins now. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. People have this and that. Um, you know, for the longest time, I just thought like, if it works, you know, I'm fine with it. I don't need all this special stuff. And I've always kind of been like that with everything. Um, maybe, yeah. you know, to my detriment, to be honest. Um, but that's, that's so great. I mean, that's so, I love hearing the story because it really does. It takes you back to the essence of it all. It's just, there's no pictures. There's nothing. It's hunting for food, hunting for a livelihood and, uh, learning things the hard way. And those are the, sometimes those can be deadly lessons. And sometimes those can be the best lessons too, is learning how to, you know, how would you, would you, would so, so as far as your gear though, with like, with floats, did you, did you use floats or did you use reels? Yeah. Okay. No, no, we didn't have reels. Uh, we have a kind of football shape float. Uh-huh. That was that was actually the kind of float that the boats used to uh, uh, put in by the side of the boats when you are gonna park the boat so they don't hurt get hurt you know like the boat don't get broken or anything. Yeah, yeah. So the, uh, fenders. Yeah. Yeah, the fenders. So we use that and then we use a big line uh, from that to the gun and then the gun uh, to the spear have the line the regular line that a spear has. Yeah, shooting line. Yeah, so that's what we did. And then the system in Cuba that we use is once that you get a couple to fish with or to Uh fish with, uh, what you do is like you go down and then you pull the line and they help you up. The person in the surface help you up like to halfway. Of course, this is when it's really deep, no regular depth. Uh, so that's what you do. Sometimes the, your your uh, partner goes down and you pull him up, or you are down and then you, uh, he pulls you up. So that's how we uh, spearfish there. Interesting. So your buddy is there and kind of assists you to come up while you just relax and yes. save your oxygen. Yes. Yes. Halfway. Uh, for example, when we when we broke the one twenty. Uh, feet no uh-huh. yeah, 120 feet uh usually was that i am saying 120 feet because i cannot really for sure say because we measure in cuba with fathoms right but i look online and it's kind of that 120 feet uh, and usually in that uh, you get the best fish in cuba because in cuba the fish somehow it got really away from the from shore yeah i don't know why because you don't have too many boats or anything there I guess that that's part of it because people have to fish close to the shore mostly, so they deplete so, the. Yeah, so twenty. I think it's twenty fathoms, right? Would be. Uh huh. Yeah, one hundred and twenty feet. Okay. Yeah, it's twenty. I know that was twenty fathoms. Now, yeah. Some yeah. people have told me no, it's not this, it's that, it's whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> just yeah. get fish. Exactly. I don't care really. It's just like you have to go deep. Yeah. And then, yeah, the, your partner will uh, pull you up ho- uh, holding uh, the line 
and then halfway up, then you can go up by yourself. And Interesting. Yeah, no, that's that's almost like the ultimate buddy system, you know? I mean, even if you're blacked out, you just pull them up. Exactly, and give you and it gives you more range as well because then you, you don't have to be worried about going too deep because you know that you won't move at least halfway up. So it gives you, a, wow. it gives you a good range of uh, depth. I never knew that. That's uh, That makes sense. I mean, I've heard of tactics like other teams uh, use to try to uh, breathe up and current and things like that, mm-hmm. but I've never heard of that tactic. That's oh. really, really interesting. Well, it was very good because, again, when you fish for a living, like you depend on that. You need to get wherever you have to go. Right. And that was the system that we came out with. We even have a system of how to pull up someone, like a, you had to do it in certain ways to get less tired, you know, like and, and be faster as well. I remember uh, once uh, my buddy was a bodybuilder, and he pulled me so hard that my mask was falling out of my <laughs> face. <laughs> Looks like it was a, a boat pulling me. Well, at least you know he cared about you. Oh, totally. He, yeah. just, he just was pulling me like it was a boat. Wow. So, well, I mean, how long were your guys' dives when you were diving there? Do you remember? How long what? Like the, the dive? Yeah, minutes or like uh, oh, how, no. how much time? I I know how much I could uh, hold my breath, but I don't remember the time that just went down uh, while you were going to shoot a fish. But uh, I never measured that really. How long could you hold your breath for? Did you? At that it... time, at that time, it was seven minutes. Wow, <laughs> that's impressive. That's nice. That's awesome. And the thing I think that's the the most impressive about it is that there was no free diving class. There was nothing. You just no. figured it out. Yeah, you just. I, later, I learned that part of the possibility of holding your breath that much is because the lungs as you go down uh, contract because the pressure on side and make you feel that you have more air than you do. Uh-huh. Partial, yeah, partial that, pressure. Yeah, at, at that point was just again, you feel good and you keep going. If you feel bad, you stop. And that's how it happens. And since I did it every day, I was developing really like, a, as a matter of fact, right now I have some sort of condition with my sternum and from my chest. And I think that has to do with that. When you hold your breath so, for so long, for so uh, repeated, so so much, apparently the, the sternum get really soft. Yes. To be able to hold the air that you start getting, because you know, you get really more air than normal once that you get really uh, practice at it or uh, good at it. And right now, I just feel my sternum like give me pain and everything, and my and my nephew too, which made me think that it has relation to that. Interesting. Have you gone to the? What did the doctor say about it? I, I have gone for problems that I have with health, but I never asking about that. I should ask yeah. next time that I go. Actually, if I if I span my arms or whatever, it really sounds like like it's really soft. But I don't know. I have never asked yeah. my doctor about it. That might be something to check out. Yeah, I would do that next time. <laughs> I avoid trying to go to the doctor at all. No, I, I get it. I Yeah, I don't like to go to the doctor either. 
Yeah, some money I don't have. Money, money and worries. Like I, if I have something in my way of living, I prefer to know when I have it. That's it. When it's done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so you came here. Did you ever go back to Cuba once you came? No, came no, because I, I came as a political asylum person. Okay. Because I went to jail in Cuba because political reasons. I was doing art that was uh, protesting against the government and all that stuff. Yeah. So I never went back and I will never go because I don't, you know, I don't want to suddenly get surprised by some weird thing and they get me there or something. Right. I don't blame you. Yeah. It's a beautiful place if it wasn't for the government, but uh, uh, I really miss being able to go. But I came in a specific case that I cannot really go back. And, you know, it's not like many people do go back, but, but they came from another reasons, really economical reasons and stuff like that. But in my case, I am just afraid to go. I did some tricks in the military and all the stuff. And I really don't want risk. To so, risk yeah, I don't, I don't blame you. I've had like, I can understand that. I mean, I know I talked to a lot of people and dealt with a lot of people that once they've led, once they've fled their country of origin as mm. much as they like it, it's, you know, and they love the land. It's just, mm-hmm. like you said, the government and all the other shit you got to deal mm. with isn't worth it. It's too dangerous. Yeah. Um, so how did you get into, like, so you, you love spearfishing, obviously. It was part of your life every day. And then now your current projects are, so how did you get into the, the video game part of everything? Well, like I say, I study fine arts and I graduated as a painter. So in Cuba, at some point before coming to America, I was selling my paintings and one of the people who were buying my paintings bought me a PlayStation. I uh-huh. think that was PlayStation 1. And then when I experienced playing a game, I said, well, this is quite an interesting media. You can, uh, medium. You can do art on it, you can do animation, you can do programming, like you can actually live in the world that you can create. And from there, I said, well, that would be an interesting thing to do. I would love to do that. But in Cuba, you, I didn't have any possibility of uh, computers or anything, so I couldn't study anything like that. And when I came, I wanted to spear fish here, but when I realized the economy here is very difficult. Like, like in Cuba, there is a system... Everyone is very poor and all that, but uh, people kind of help each other. Here is kind of like if you don't work and make your money and you don't have money, you go to the street. In Cuba, we live with the family the whole time, pretty much. So the houses are full of families, no a couple or anything, but the whole family. Here, you have to depend on everything. Like you have to work and make your money or you go under a bridge. And that stopped. Uh, my dream of spear fishing here or anything like that. And then I got sick with uh, blood pressure because the I was sitting all the time, you know, instead of exercising or whatever. Yeah. And I got older as well, of course. I came when I was 30 already. So so going back, though, you said that you kind of ended spear fishing when you came here because you had to work, right? Yeah, that was the first reason, yes. Then yeah. at some point... I did good working and I had time, but then I got sick. 
Oh, I, okay. Yeah, yeah. I came to the Keys. I live in the Keys just because of that. I was planning, okay, now that I'm living better, I'm making money and all that. And I, I work from my house, from my home. The same with my wife, which is she's writer, a writer. Uh, but then when I started doing, I did a couple of uh, spear fishing adventure with my son. Uh huh. But uh, I had trouble already. Like my, I have pain in my chest. You know, stuff related to blood yeah. pressure and heart. So by the time that I was done with all that, I was already off of the hook for the spear fishing. So I have right. to sell my gear and all that, and that's it. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. Is your son's... Did your son spearfish too? He did when he lived here. Now he moved. He's in college now. Okay. Uh, I think that he, he never liked it too much. Like uh, he was not, he's from Kansas. Uh, he came to live uh, to the kids with us, but I don't think that he got in love with it. He saw a couple of bull sharks and kind of stuff like that. You know, <laughs> that's, yeah. not a, that's not a pretty sight. Right, right. Um, so, so you got so you you got a PlayStation, you yes. kind of kind of fell in love with the whole idea of games, yeah. right? Yes, in, well, yeah, in Cuba, this was in Cuba, and in Cuba that was to me like a, a really a good escape from the reality. Uh huh. And I fell totally in love with the idea of creating a world and living in it, and then making art, animation, all, all the mediums together, like music everything so when i came here i started uh, uh learning online and stuff like that uh computer and 3d programming uh, uh modeling animation all the stuff and because i have a base already uh it was easy for me kind of uh to learn that because you know i had already a good base when i studied art that always helped you a lot uh, to get right. into the game. You're, cre you're creative. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I learned anatomy and all that. A lot of advantage over anyone that would not know anything and a star would be more difficult because they would have to find an artist to do the art and all that. So, pretty much, I have to focus only in the programming part. So, that's what I did. And then I would do all my art myself and all that because I could do it. So, it was only like learning half of what you need to have to make a game. So how many games have you made? I have, I made uh, two games, both as PF fishing. The first one was for iPhone only because I didn't know enough programming yet for making it in all the platforms or anything like that. And then the second one is a spear fishing game based on that one, but more like a, a, a sport kind of thing, like you compete against other spears. Uh, and then this one is in iPhone, Android, Xbox, and now uh, Xbox One. And now I am working to put it in Steam, which is the PC gaming uh, store, you know. 
Yeah, what's the names of the what are the names of the games? Well, the I, it's it's sort of like a franchise. The base name is Free Diving Hunter. Okay. And then from there you find the one that is in the in the mobile is named Adrenaline after that. And then the one in Xbox One and PC is, is the one that is spearfishing the world. Spearfishing the world. Yeah, that that is the the version for the console and the PC. And it's free diving hunter, spearfishing the world. And you go around the world. There is a world map where you choose spots to go and compete against other Spiro. My goal with that game, of course, is to make it. It's the only game about spear fishing that there is, really. I mean, I came out with the idea because I was a Spiro before, and I thought, you know, spear fishing has so many things that you can add as a gameplay that would be an awesome game. But because I developed it myself, I always uh, missing time uh, to develop the whole thing. So I have to put the game kind of halfway to my original idea. And that's uh -huh. what I'm working now in doing is to put it in PC and then in PC uh, update it with more stuff, including multiplayer and all that. It's kind of easier. For some reason, when you uh, make games for PC, because the PC is in hands of everyone, uh, it makes it easier for you to find information and then uh, kind of stuff to be able to develop it really fully. Well, right. So that's interesting, too, because, I mean, you mentioned PC. And this, um, what I've learned is that, you know, everybody has uh, certain people have Macs and PCs, and they say Macs are... Uh, less susceptible to viruses mm -hmm. and that and the truth of that is it's not that necessarily max or any better to viruses the people that make viruses target pcs because there's such a higher number of people that use pcs exactly. than max yeah that's so, right so that's i right. mean yeah so uh what what are some things you want to add into those those games oh like, for it yeah, for example, like the game right now is just a spear fishing. You can select guns, gear, things, masks, and all that. You compete against uh, AI, artificial intelligence kind of thing, you know, like the enemies in the game. Uh -huh. I wanna, I, my a holy grail with the game would be to make a multiplayer game because it's a wonderful multiplayer idea. If you can compete against your friend or with your friend against other people online, a spear fishing for a certain amount of fish or whatever, and then gain money with it and that kind of stuff, that's the holy grail of my idea. But then also I want to add uh, another systems like Paul Spear, uh, Lobster, you know, Hunting right. for lobster, stuff like that. You know, I add more variety to it and make a story on it. Well, what would be really cool, you know, what would be really cool is to get, like like you said, countries, right, competing against each other. So, like, have a team from each country. Exactly. Like how they, yeah, they do the interpelagic um, or inter-Pacific uh, games. And you could have, like, Tahiti, like, versus, you know, Hawaii or. or, or yeah, yeah that's, that, that would that be would, wonderful. That would be a blast. I feel like there's a lot of guys that would jump all over that, uh, oh, especially yeah. guys landlocked or on deployment or somewhere where they can't dive. Right. Get off of that. No, and it's so interesting 
to be able to see your body actually by your side, uh, by your side in real life. You know, like uh, you're playing and then the person is there and you know who he is and compete against two more that you don't know and then win and get trophies for it and all that stuff. You know, multiplayer is like the the top of the line when it comes to gaming, really, because to keep people... Uh, uh, a community. To it. Yeah, yeah, it's a community. They, yeah. You, you want to push your body, you cannot spearfish now because it's winter or whatever, and then you can go online and it's like the truth thing, you know, it's like that. I made the graphics better. I, I'm trying to make the best realistic spear fishing game that I can make. But again, I work by myself so far. I don't have funds uh, fund for getting a team. So I've been slow to get to the point that I want to. But uh, I work on it still. I am still working on it. Yeah, I completely understand. Uh, I don't get paid to do this either. So it's yeah. all... Uh, <laughs> it's all... Yeah. Um, so we do have a, we do, uh, so I posted on my, uh, on my, uh, Facebook group, uh, Spear Factor, uh, and I asked basically if you guys had any suggestions, if you were going to have a game design, what would you want? And one of the guys, OJ Campbell, he said he wanted a throw flasher that was like a tactical grenade and you could throw it like a throw flasher. And it would hit and then blow up, or throw it at the fish. So I, I, I had to add that uh, in there. And then another guy was like, "We just make sure it's challenging. Like something about it is challenging. Like even each fish. And I would assume I'm kind of filling this in, but I would assume like the fish act the way they really do in um, the wild. Like you know how each fish is so different. Like you're talking about Cabrera and right, uh, right, yeah." to make it super challenging. Like everybody could shoot a trigger fish, right? Or, or right, you know. right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's really cool, man. Like I, you know, could you, I don't know anything about the gaming stuff, but uh, mm -hmm. it's nice to have your ear so that, and you're doing this on your own. And I just yep. kind of want you to know that like, I don't really play that many video games, but mm -hmm. from one spear fisherman to the other, uh, go for it because we would probably love it like you know <laughs> well like, I, I have the the people have received it pretty well some people don't like it too much based on what i am saying because i am alone i cannot develop as fast as i want to so i put the product out there just to start with right and then i have to uh, get time to develop all the other things that i want to but most people uh, like it and I have a lot of people following me and everything with it. Uh, and they give me good comments about what they would like to see. And I want to integrate all that to the game because they are valid. Uh, yeah. West. But it's just the problem always comes down to money and time. And 100%. Yeah. The, that's life, right? <laughs> yeah. That's how it is. There is no other way around it. Yeah, but uh, you know the the main thing is you just have to get the product out there, right? Like you got to start it. somewhere. And I mean, I kind of went through this with this thing, uh, and I remember like, wow, uh, the audio sounds like crap. And it's like, you know what? I'm just gonna keep doing it. And as you keep doing it, gets better and better and better. And you learn little tricks along the way. And I've had a lot of really uh, supportive people and um, guys that are farther along at this stuff than I am, like the Noob Spiro guys. They um, Isaac really helped me out with some things. I just talked to him about that. 
but I feel like, yeah, I just keep going. Don't stop. I mean, you know, you can do what you no, got to do. When you, yeah, when you do something with passion, nothing will stop you, really. I right. don't do it for money. I say that I need money to do more, but it's not that I am doing it for the money that I get from it, because if it was up to that, I would be stopped already. Um, it's just passion. It's just, I cannot spearfish, so what I do is make a game that is for spearfishing, and then I play it myself, and then I put it out there and try to get money to keep going with it, because really, I, I don't make enough for making a living out of it. Right. Well, I mean, thank you but for doing that, it. though. Yeah, thank you for doing that. I mean, I, I really understand what you're talking about. I totally get it. Um, so if people wanted to donate money, because I'm, you know, not the most knowledgeable on this stuff, but how does someone help uh, donate money to you to keep the game going or to keep developing it? Well, uh, honestly, I never thought about donations, so I don't have any place set for that or anything, so I don't know, really. Um, I didn't ask for funds from anyone. I everything I have done everything with my wife's support. She knows that I'm very passionate about it. Uh, so I never thought about commun a community supporting me or anything like that. So I, I cannot tell you any place, really. I don't have it. I don't have any set up account for help or anything. Yeah, so I feel I, like you should reach out because I bet you a lot of people in the community and just hearing this would would want to just, you know, even give a dollar or five bucks or whatever, just to help you do something positive. I mean, um, maybe that patron thing, I set up a patron account myself, uh, mm -hmm. just to, for people to do the same thing, like, hey, just donate, because it allow me to buy a better mm -hmm. microphone mm -hmm. or, or pay someone to edit it. Um, you should try to do that. And then, um, yeah. And uh, do you have uh, social media links or anything oh, like yeah. that? Yeah, I have plenty of social media. Yeah. Uh, I have a website, I have Facebook, I have Instagram, Twitter, email, you know, YouTube channel. Well, yeah, can, can you share that stuff with us right now? Oh, yeah, like, totally. Uh, so what's your Facebook? My Facebook is Freediving Hunter at Spearfishing Games. Okay. Instagram is strongbox3d, that is S-T-R-O-N-G-B-O-X-3-D, a number three and the letter D. Okay. That's the same that Twitter. And, and then, then YouTube, you said? And YouTube is Freediving Hunter uh, Spearfish in the World. The name of the, it's the same name of the game. As the game, yeah. And the mail is artist at strongbox3d.com, which is our company. Okay. The website is strongbox3d.com and freedivinghunter.com. Yeah, I just feel like um, what you're trying to do, you know, uh, I can certainly, like I said, I certainly understand what you're trying to do. And it seems like that's something super uh, unique and cool, like you can't spearfish anymore for medical reasons, and mm -hmm. you're still trying to give back because um, you are. I mean, uh, really cool. So I hope you guys, if anybody's listening, check that out and see about uh, donating or something like that. That's really cool. Um, well, wow. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I appreciate you putting all the effort into it. I mean, I get it. Uh, you know, yeah. it's a lot of Passion time. Is 
passion. Yeah. Yeah. But again, when you do passion stuff, nothing can stop you. Not even a bad comment. No, I know. I, I know. Yeah. I mean, uh, like I, I do this just to meet people. Like I would have never met you or had this conversation with you or understood your story and where, you know, and it's like, that's, that needs to be shared with people. Like that's something that's really cool. Almost kind of like documenting a little bit of history. And then you find out the world becomes a really small place when you start meeting everybody and you realize there's a lot of really cool, like-minded people out there and unique people too. And, uh, it's, I love it. I love meeting people. I used to, why, that's why I used to like traveling so much because you just meet people all over the place. Um, even if they're totally different than you, it's just something unique and cool, you know? Yeah. Really that's, special. Yep. That's part of the beauty. Um, so what's like you're just going to keep for the future like future wise you're just going to keep are you going to come up with a newer game or are you going to just keep nope, adding on i am well i am i am thinking right now i am uh, uh trying to make this game uh, for pc which is the same game it's nothing new about it there is just some uh, updates in the graphics because pc uh, allows you to put more graphics depending on the platform i mean depending on the machine that the user has so uh-huh. I, I add a lot more uh, grass and uh, underwater life and stuff like that. But my goal now is after I do I do that, I was planning to do some or thinking about doing some VR uh, game, sort of game, but mostly like a seascape stuff, just without action on it, just to to be able to reach kids as well. So they start learning to love underwater. You know, underwater is a thing that many people don't even think about. Right. So because spearfishing has some violence and stuff like that, violence, uh, you know, they rate it 14 and stuff like that. But uh, I'm gonna probably do a, a fast uh, game where you explore the bottom of the ocean, but because I actually went on the water spear fishing, I kind of feel the underwater more than know about it. So I'm gonna try to create the most realistic landscapes based on my experience of what you feel when you are on the water. And uh-huh. I wanna put that for everyone. So women, children, everyone can uh, play it in VR probably, virtual reality, to just start showing people that they can fall in love with just being underwater. And then my goal with the actual spear fishing game is to develop it all the way to multiplayer. I want to add lobster fishing. I want to add uh, pole spear, uh, octopus, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. I I feel like the, go ahead, sorry, go ahead. I want to develop the franchise. I want to be the owner of the franchise that anyone who is in that uh, 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 that interest with spear fishing will go to. That's it. That it was not. That it would not be anything like it. Like that's gonna be the the best spear fishing on the water game and free dive. Of course, I don't want scuba diving in my stuff because. Because I respect nice. fishing when it comes to uh, free diving because it's, yeah. you are trying to even with the fish, but if you have a scuba dive gear on you, yeah, yeah, 
is pretty much abusing and probably you should cut this off because uh, probably I should not be saying that. <laughs> I would get enemies no, from no, the diving community. It. Oh, I love it. Say it. Say it. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is the enemies will be like, well, this guy was saying Let that. Let them. Let them hate. Me, yeah. No, to, to me, spear fishing is only fair if you don't use gear, like breathing gear. Right. That way you have a, a limit to be down there. You have to know what you're doing. Then I would say, okay, that's, that's cool. You're not a murderer, you know, but. Yeah. Uh, you are a hunter. It's respectful too to the uh, the whole thing, you know. And it, you yeah. know what? Let let people hate if they're talking about you. That means, I mean, they're talking about you, right? But they want to just say well, whatever. It's the honest belief. I mean, I just right. I, in Cuba there were people with with Cuba times, and I always told them uh, that you know that was not fair. I mean, what's the difference? You just better get a bomb. And throw it there and just get all the fish and go up. You need to balance the stuff. You know, so, you need to balance the situation. So I guess that's it right there. Let's talk about this because this is interesting. You're coming from a place where you had to hunt for food uh, to sell. Mm-hmm. Now, with that being on the line, why would you not give yourself every advantage? Because like in Florida where you live, right? Scuba, spear, uh, commercial spearfishing on scuba is allowed. Well, that would eliminate the passion of it. Again, for example, I, I scuba dive as well. And just the bubbles and the risk of the poison in the blood and all the stuff uh, annoys me. So. Like I say, I started in the in the shallow water, got deep, but then I love the silence. I love the landscaping. I love the activity more than making money. But then we made money. Uh, by the time that I am talking now, making money is the second level. It's not anymore the beginning, like like the main reason of it. Right. So you start because you want to make money. That's what I was uh, fishing with line to make money. Then I saw the spear, spear fisherman coming out with big fish, and I said, okay, I can make more money if I do that. Time A, a little later, I start loving more the idea of spear fishing and the feeling of the emptiness and the floating that noise would annoy me. So it became second nature. If you make money or not, by that time, it was not important anymore. But still, I mean, it's important, but it's second to to do it in a way that is challenging to yourself. It's like a game. Again, I saw a game the whole time after I learned those stuff because it become a challenge to yourself more than anything. Right. I, I could not sleep without dreaming of it. So it became... Honestly, honestly, I, I, I thought that I should be in the water. It's like, okay, I need to be in the water. I, I am can, a late person. I, I don't like to wake up early. Sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead. I can just hear your passion, and I totally get it. I, I mean, spearfishing isn't about anything else. It's a very personal kind of journey. It's like how religion is to some people. It's a personal, like, not to get religious with some people, but it's like it's a personal relationship with you and God. It's like spearfishing is just a personal relationship with yourself almost that's and the it. ocean. And that's mm-hmm. it. Yep. There are, I, I, there are 
for example, one of the things that you take away always since you are a kid is smell. So that sense that a smell can take you away back when you were five or six years old, uh-huh. is that powerful? There are images and feelings that I had when I spear fish that always will be with me. I will forget many things, but never those moments. There was a moment that I was going down in a place in Cuba that was so clean. And then when I went down almost to the bottom, I stopped for a second to look around me and I could not see anything but blue when I looked to the horizon in the, in the bottom, right? Just blue. And then a shark was coming through it and I could see the little spot and I could not go up. I had to see what it was. And I will never forget that because when I contemplate the surrounding was like to live in another planet. So that kind of stuff is the power that spearfishing has. You can feel the same strength as smell does. You will never forget it. I still feel like I could go tomorrow and go down 100 uh, feet, of course I cannot, but I am saying I can feel that. That's how strong it is. You feel that you stop living once that you let, uh, stop doing it. And then this is a weird life. So that is what I do the game because I need to have something that made me relieve going down in the water and pretend that that trigger fish in my game, by the way, there is a lot of trigger fish because of that. There is a very personal relation. Uh, uh-huh. with the trigger fish as a fish it's not a big deal for spe- spiros the trigger fish actually probably many people don't even care about it but to me it's a very personal relation with trigger fish so i make an effort to be able to play my game and see those trigger fish the same way that i used to see them and that just helped me to go back to where i stopped living that is um that's incredible i i think you summed up honestly how a lot of people feel why they dive and those moments that like you can't get anywhere else in the world i mean i have my moments i think about it and it's like i feel number one so grounded because i had those moments in the ocean and then also so appreciative and uh for the ocean or whatever to have that moment. And then also like as a, it increases your respect for everything. Like, like you said, those trigger fish, right? You have those trigger fish as part of your memory. They kind of gave you that memory to hold on to for your whole life. And so regardless of shooting them, you still respect those fish, right? I mean, oh, you might, if I go to an aquarium in America, for example, in Key West, there is an aquarium. Uh-huh. Uh, the first fish that I looked, I went to Walt Disney, and they have also kind of an aquarium there. The first fish that I looked for is bigger fish, which is like weird. I mean, it's, again, it's not an important fish. It's not a, a very pricey fish or anything. But to me, if I see a, a trigger fish in a place that looked like the ocean, I am going back to where I stopped. When I could not spear fish anymore, I stopped living. And that, that was a different life that I had. It's like, right. again, when, when you smell something today and say, oh my God, when I was 
six and I was in my grandma and I smelled that same thing and take you all the way there. That's what a trigger fish does to me when I see it in anywhere that I see it. Even when I am fishing in a boat with a friend, and if I see trigger fish coming up, I just want to go in the water. I just want to go there and just touch them. That's awesome. What's your okay? So I have to ask, what's your biggest trigger fish? You know, you ever shot? Yeah, yeah. I'll, stuck I, out. I, I will never forget that. <laughs> That's this is kind <laughs> of a, this is kind of an incredible story. People can't believe it or not. I don't care about that really because you know I am honest. I just say what it is. Yeah. Once once I went to a spear fish. One of the days that I went, the cold front was coming in. The water was super clean. There was not a single fish in the water that I saw in my spot. You know, I went, I spent the whole day there. Going back to land, again, I have to swim. I don't have boat, so I have plenty of time to see something, right? Uh-huh. I start saying, all what I want is a, is a trigger fish. All what I want is, that was in my mind because I was empty. I, I didn't catch anything. It was six o'clock. I kid you not. I was probably 20 feet away from the the coast, and a female trigger fish, four pounds, came and swam in front of me by herself, and I shot her. I had even the gun uh, still prepared because I was like almost picturing, oh, I just want a trigger fish. Oh, I just want it. And um, it happened. It was. It, Four pounds, I remember it was pretty big. The, the trigger fish in Cuba that we used to catch maximum, like a most of them, would uh-huh. be around two pounds, two okay. pounds and a half, you know. The females yeah. were the biggest one. And I would never forget that because it was almost magic, magic. Like, I could not believe it. I saw it and I even took some time to say, dude, I shoot this like this real. It's like, <laughs> it's just me. I am tired or what? And yeah, uh, that was one of the moments that I will never forget. I I love it. Um, yeah, I recently had a moment just like that, and I didn't pull the trigger because I didn't have a good shot and I didn't want to ruin it. Mm-hmm. And uh, but that moment where your brain is trying to process, mm-hmm. like what yeah. the oh. heck? Yeah, yeah, it's so special. I love it, man. That's so great. I'm so glad that uh that you were able to contact me and reach out and uh, you share your story with uh, all of us. Um, speaking of stories, did you have any shark stories from when uh, you were I, living in Cuba? Or? I, I have a wonderful, not a bad shark story, but a good one. I was with my nephew. Uh-huh. Um, I was swimming around 16 uh, fathoms in the place that we had at that uh, uh, depth. I was swimming in the surface, ready to go down, and I feel this. I felt this pull or push. I would say a push on my side. Uh-huh. And my nephew was behind me because he was ready to hold to my line, and he touched my leg. And when I looked to my left, a huge whale shark. And I was like, I I had never seen it before because that was very close to to shore still like. We were like probably one mile and a half out, and the platform in Cuba, the bottom, is kind of like the keys. It's very flat for a while, and then it falls really hard. Yeah. So it was kind of was kind of 
a very shallow, in my mind, was a very shallow place for a whale uh, shark. And I, I thought that was a white shark because I, ha- <laughs> I had never seen it. But then I realized that it had the spots. What a majesty. Like, that was majestic. Like, that shark was so beautiful. And the mouth was right by me, but didn't have anything. And it was not anymore. Once that you realized that was a whale shark, you were, oh, cool. And it yeah. was big. That it was pulling water with the tail. So much power that it was probably around, I would say, 10 or 12 feet to the side, a feet to the side. Uh-huh. And the water that he was pushing, pushed me. I, I feel the, the amount of uh, water that he was displacing, pushing me. <sighs> and that was a beautiful, that was beautiful. And that's my experience with shark in that case. Now, bad sharks, I only have one, but never nothing happened, really. He came to us to start going around us, was a bull. And uh-huh. then uh, I was pulling up a mackerel. And he came and I started trying to get it, you know, but we, our guns were really long. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, pocket. And that's it. He went away. He didn't, you know, was not like a really pesky or anything. Who who made your guns? I was curious. I, I, I can't remember well, what you said this, that already. This is, was a guy in Kohima. Uh-huh. That, uh, that's what he did for, well, not for a living. He was a, a person who did metal stuff, you know, metal work and stuff like that. And he somehow yeah. got into making guns. He found a way to, he had a, a, a cylinder or a tube, aluminum tube. So he, he used... Uh, like a caps to it, and uh-huh. then he created the whole mechanism himself inside, uh, and then he put uh, air, pressure air on it, and he make everything. He made the handle, he made the triggers, everything, and cool. then he make it at, at your measure. You you tell him, okay, one mine to be eight feet or seven feet or whatever, and uh-huh. then he did it for you. So that's the guy who made the gun for everyone there in Kohima, pretty much. In Kohima, everyone had a pneumatic gun, aluminum, you know. All of them were the same guy. Beautiful, and they were very good. They were excellent guns. They had so much pressure and and power and everything. And the shaft was 8 millimeters. You can imagine that. We didn't even have uh, in the... The tip of the shaft was uh-huh. not really like the ones from Mares, for example, that are really sharp and thin at the end. These yeah. were more like a 45-degree pyramid. Uh, uh-huh. Tip, right? Yeah, like a tri-tip. Like yeah, a tri- yeah. Yeah, cuts yeah. through the, yeah. Like well, that. that. that's pretty cool. Um, back to that whale shark. Was there any cobia on that whale shark when you saw it? No, you know, I never... I never caught a cobia or saw one. Yeah, I saw one in the bottom and it looked like a shark to me, but then I realized that was a cobia, but I was going up. I could uh-huh. not go down. And by the time that I went up, she was already passing by. Yeah. I have never been able to uh, shoot a cobia, which I would have loved to. <laughs> and another interesting thing in Cuba, you hunt for uh, what is called here. Uh, let me see what is that. Oh, my goodness. I have them in the canal all the time, and now I don't remember the name. The big silver fish. Oh, God. Oh, tarpon? 
tarpon, tarpon. Tarpon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In Cuba, <laughs> you fish for that because you can eat it. In Cuba, I mean, it's not like the best meat or anything, but again, you do it for meat. meat. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's meat. So. Right, when you're hungry, you don't really care what it yeah. tastes like. <laughs> yeah, you learn how to cook it and how yeah. to clean it. Well, Carlos, um, thanks so much. Uh, I'll wrap it up here. I'll let you go. I know we've been talking a while. And honestly, thank you for sharing uh, your story uh, with us all and uh, your your video game. I'm I'm going to check it out. I'm going to have my son check it out too. Uh, sounds really interesting. And I'll put it up in the notes about how to uh, uh, get in touch with you through social media and all of that. Um, but again, thank you so much for sharing all this with me and thanks for reaching out to me. Well, I appreciate very much the opportunity. Um, I appreciate it very much. Uh, thank you so much for this and anything that we can do to help your podcast as well, we will do it. Oh, I, I appreciate really it. Appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate it. The podcast, you know, honestly, it's for uh, specifically guys like you. I mean, just people like you that have a unique story and share with all of us so we can all uh, be entertained and learn from it and appreciate, you know, our roots, so to speak. And, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's for the, it's for the people. <laughs> well, thank you very much for that work because it's good. Thank I like you. Uh, uh, the opportunity to do it. So yeah, no problem. Thank you. I appreciate it, sir. All right. Thank you so much. You keep well, in contact. Oh, definitely. Definitely. That concludes our show for today. I hope you guys uh, liked it. And uh, make sure you check out Carlos's uh, game and give him some feedback and some support. All right. And if you'd like to support uh, Spear Factor and what uh, I'm trying to do here, you can go over to our patron page at uh, Spear Factor at the patron page there and uh, donate if you'd like. Um, and also, if you wanted more information on spearfishing and stuff kind of related to that, like do-it-yourself projects, tips and reviews, check out the Spear Factor website. Um, lots of good stuff on there. All right, guys. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and month. Take care. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned... No matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. You want to succeed, you want to fish, you want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.